thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Thread. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to Thread. Uh, actually, this week, I live in Thailand. This week, when I went to language school, I learned that I'm probably going to have to change my name. Because Chuck in Thailand means convulsions, serious convulsions that you have to be hospitalized over. And I recognized that something was up every time I would introduce myself with my American nickname, Chuck, and everybody would be puzzled and look at each other that were Thais. So they advised me to use Charlie, which is kind of like Charlie, uh, and it doesn't have any of those connotations. So I might should introduce myself. This is Charlie Quinley. Uh, but anyway, I'm back, and this is Thread, and we're on Thread number 22, and I am really excited about this one. It's an important teaching from the Scripture because um, I would have to say in my own life, I grew up Pentecostal, and 99% of that was amazingly wonderful. Uh, just great experiences in the Lord. We were very serious about finding God when we came to church, we were there to worship. We poured our whole heart into it. It was a beautiful movement to grow up in. But a little bit of that uh, had to do with external religion. I heard quite a few sermons about women's hair and makeup and jewelry. And, and you know, while I think 90% of all the church people that heard that stuff taught were going, no, I don't think so. Uh, you know, we were sort of thinking, well, who are we? You know, these are our spiritual leaders these men know more than us and uh, they're you know they're godly men so gradually you know the shift in pentecostalism is really pushed against all that stuff and mainly nobody follows those kind of rules but part of the um, ritual of growing up pentecostal was coming to the altar every sunday and it was kind of the pastor's job to find something or help you find something you had done that was wrong, that made you defiled before God, somehow a, a hidden sin or some uh, spiritual failing in our own life. And then uh, the altars were open. It gave you a chance to come before the Lord and to cry out to God and to repent because we're from a holiness background. Uh, and the good side of that is that you're taking seriously the Scripture's commands to repent that I don't want to just keep living in sin. I want this out of me. And and on the other hand, though, everybody sins in so many ways. And you look at your life, and if you do that 52 times a year, I can tell you what kind of person you become because that's what I was. You're just so full of uh, condemnation inside. You know you're not what you should be with God. You're not even up to your own standards. And so you're really wrestling with all this, you know. Well, that's what today's thread is about. Because the Pharisees had come down to uh, instruct Jesus about some external religion that he was not uh, impressing on the people. So if you've had any kind of struggle in your own life about legalism or about feeling condemnation, a guilt-based religion, this thread is for you, so you need to run and get your Bible and come right back. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 7 today, verses 1 through 23. Mark 7, 1 through 23. Go get your Bible, and we'll be right back. Thread. 
Okay, let's dive in. Uh, the key issue that we're going to tackle today is the question, what defiles a person? Because defilement is a very key issue in biblical theology. We come to the Old Testament and we find an understanding that God is holy, absolutely holy. There is no moral failing in God, not a shadow of anything immoral or unrighteous uh, in him. And so to come near to this God is to be burned up because he's a holy blazing fire and sin cannot come near him. And as the Old Testament, you have all these different times when people would approach too near the presence of God and they'd just be destroyed by it. Um, and yet we all wrestle with this sinfulness that's in us. We don't want it. We wish it would go away, but it is a reality and we, we fight against it. And so now the question, how do we remove our uncleanness before God and how can we stay clean? How do we keep this defilement from coming onto us and into us? And the Jews in Jesus' day had a very uh, mm, deep and uh, complicated systems about sin. They had come to the concept that a lot of sin came from uh, outsiders and from other things that were sinful. They could carry defilement with them the same way, you know, it carries dirt. If you're wearing a white shirt and you pick up some dirty piece of furniture outside to move it and you look down and now your hands are dirty and your clothes are dirty. Uh, and that uh, experience got broadened and it connected to sin so that now they were concerned about dust. They were concerned about if you had touched something that an unclean person had touched, you had uh, all kinds of focus about women in their uh, menstrual cycle and they came out with a concept of three levels of defilement, which means, for example, if, uh, if you're a, a Gentile totally cut off from God and I'm a Jew and I come into contact with you, let's say I do business with you and you hand me some money or in the course of our uh, business I touch you in some way or touch something, uh, I am now defiled. I need to go make, uh, I need to go have a bath and I need to do a, uh, some sacrifice because I've got to get this thing off of me. But it doesn't stop there. If someone touches me, they're defiled, second level. If someone touches that person, they're defiled in the third level. And then, thankfully, it wears off. Uh, so it doesn't keep defiling people. But, you know, there's this real concern about not touching the dead, not touching all kinds of things that might make you defile before God. And this became... Uh, a huge body of literature among uh, Jewish religious leaders and their, the clergy in their day, you know, whereas the scriptures are, you know, maybe an inch thick, uh, all the Old Testament, they had all kinds of books. They called them Midrash and, uh, and other books where they, it was just opinions of rabbis as they rolled on with uh, one ruling after another. And this thing just grew. So, um, the priests and uh, scribes and the whole religious order, they're very concerned about Jesus, and they send a delegation in chapter 7, verse 1. They send a delegation to Jesus, and they come from the capital city, you know, center of their religion, 
And they come to observe his behavior and to report back. And they see that his disciples are eating their food without going through the ritual washing. Now, this is not soap and water for germs. We didn't have a germ theory of disease until the 1900s. They had no concept that they're talking about germs. This is not a health issue. This is a special way of sprinklings and things in order to get sin away from you. And so... Uh, The disciples aren't following these things, although they've been raised to follow it. Jesus doesn't follow it, and so now they're not following it. The Pharisees, verse 3 says, they don't eat unless they do all these things in, quote, a special way, because these things are part of the tradition of the elders. And they they come from the marketplace. They won't eat unless they wash them because they bumped into people who might have defiled them. So now they wash again. There are many other things which they've received, Traditions and they hold like the way they wash their cups and pitchers and copper vessels and their couches. They're just, you know, overly scrupulous in this washing thing that they do. And so they ask Jesus, Why do your disciples? It's actually a, 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 um, a comment about Jesus as the teacher because they're his disciples. Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? I see them eating their bread with unwashed hands. And Jesus answered, and instead of uh, being uh, coming down and going, you know, you're right, I'm, I'm, I've got to get more tradition in, in my teaching, Jesus says, you know what, you guys are total hypocrites. And you're even prophesied in Scripture. And he, he quotes to them the word of God, Isaiah. Uh, and he's, he's going to speak to them. And he says, this is what Isaiah wrote about you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. See, there's a big difference in the mind of Jesus. And we must discern the difference between doctrines, and that is those things which are true about God, because God himself has revealed these things to us so that we understand his heart and his mind and what how God sees things, that's a doctrine. And then there is all this human tradition. This tradition is of human origin. We created it ourselves. It is external because tradition can't govern your heart. It can only govern your outside behavior so that that behavior can be observed by others. Uh, it is... Um, This tradition system, you see, gives these priests and other religious leaders uh, tremendous power in the community because they're the keeper of tradition and the imposer of tradition. And they've been teaching tradition at the same level as they've been teaching doctrine. Now, tradition, you can't even say tradition is an unqualified good. There are lots of traditions that actually are deceptive and destructive. And that's what Jesus is looking at. You know, this looks like an honest effort uh, at holiness, but in fact, it is not. That's not the intent of all of these rules. These rules have an entirely different purpose. They're designed to make those clerical people have power over the lives of everybody else. It's designed to dominate people. It's designed to make them feel guilty and put them under their thumb. And Jesus says, you've been teaching this as though it is scripture. Verse eight, you lay aside the commandment of God, but you hold the tradition of men. 
washing of, sorry, washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. So he's been observing them too, and uh, he sees their all their little rituals. Verse nine. All too well, you reject the commandment of God so you can keep your tradition. Now, that's their goal is is to keep their tradition. And then he gives them an example. He says, look, and and let me add some commentary. He's telling them that there's a subtle evasion in their system of the deeper heart commands that God has made. There's a way of justifying our sin by calling it tradition. There's a way of making things appear to be spiritual when they're not spiritual. It's, it's actually sinful because we know what God's word commands and we don't want to have to do that. For example, the command in verse 10 here, honor your father and mother. That doesn't just mean, you know, nod your head to your parents. It means that you take care of your parents. You, you, they're a special... Uh, target of your love for the rest of your life and your aged parents, you you care for them. You give them food, shelter. You 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 take them into your heart, into your home, and you care for your parents. And so he says, this is what Moses says: honor your father and mother. And if you curse father and mother, be put to death. That's what the word said about Old Testament society. You say. If a man says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is now Korban, then you no longer let him do anything for his father and his mother. Let me ex- let me explain this. They had come up with this tradition uh, by which you could give all your earthly goods to the priesthood. Uh, you could give it, uh, in a sense today, give it to the church and you're, so that you had given 100% of everything that you owned to God. Well, that sounds very noble, except they added a little clause here that said, but you may continue to use all these things for all of your lifetime. You know, you see that that one little inclusion there. Now we got greed. It started with greed from the priesthood that they would want to get everybody's stuff. But, you know, you could claim that's going for God and for God's purposes. So you can, you know, you could try to make a spiritual case for it. But then they add that second line just so that people can wash their hands of their responsibility toward their parents, can hold on to all the stuff and uh, and rid themselves of needing to take care of mom and dad and say, you know, I would love to give this to you. I would love to feed you. But, you know, I've given everything I own to God. It's a higher purpose. And, you know, look at verse 13. Jesus says, you make the word of God have no effect. You know, God intends for his word to have effect in our lives. And he says, you've made God's word have no effect on the people because of your tradition, through your tradition, which you have handed down and many such things you do. He's really frustrated with these people because, you know, they hold the keys to uh, their whole religion. They hold the keys to the teaching places and the worship places. Everything's under their command. And he tells them, really, you guys are just hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? It's a play actor. Um, it, it's not even the reality. You're playing a role, and you do this for reward. There are a number of rewards that actors seek. There's the being treated special because you're an actor. There's the reward of finances. 
and there's a reward of uh, the applause of the crowd. And so he says, that's why you do all these things. You're doing them as a play actor. You, you know, the loving God, seeking God, earnestly following God. That's not you. That's not the truth about you. And now you justify your sin and you call it tradition. People are just selfish. Taking care of your parents is hard work. It, it doesn't go away. You know, it stays there day after day. And you just want to walk off from that. You're giving people an out. God intends his word to have effect in their life. So he calls a meeting. And he just gathers a crowd. He says, I, I need to center on biblical truth. You know, the nation, the national and religious tradition is now running against biblical truth. And it's time to square it up. And uh, we, we need to do that. And but see, this is where persecution comes from. Persecution always comes from the religious, from the community, from the state, because something they're doing is exactly the opposite of the scripture and God's prophetic people stand up, declare the word of God, and this attracts the trouble. That's the whole theme of Mark, again, to go back to that, is that those who stand with God will have to also stand against man at times. They're going to find themselves unpopular. He calls the people and he says, listen, I want you to hear me. Here's two goals of Jesus teaching. I want you to hear this teaching. And I want you to, verse 14, understand it. I want this to go down deep inside of you. And then it gets everybody's attention. Verse 15 says, listen to me. There is nothing. Everybody say nothing. There is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him. You're defiled by the things which come out of him. Those are the things that defile a man. Verse 16, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. That's something Jesus says when he's really concerned that you get the point. So he's saying, get it. If you're here to listen, if you have any intention of hearing and understanding the truth about God, you need to get this point. Any system, let me give you a little side teaching then. Any system that says uh, that anything you eat from pork to alcohol to blood, uh, anything, says anything that you eat can't defile you, okay? Anything external can't defile you. Your haircut can't defile you. Your piercing can't defile you. You can't be defiled by makeup. You can't be defiled by your clothing. You can't be defiled from the outside. It's not what you bump up against. It's not the external things. Your defilement comes from yourself. We defile ourselves from what our heart produces from the inside. And he walks off. He wants that to just echo in their ears. And his disciples follow him. Once again, there's insiders and there's outsiders. His disciples have an access to him that others do not have. And they come to him and they ask the question, now, exactly what did you mean by all that? And he, he says in verse 18, you guys are driving me crazy. You know, are you thus without understanding also? That's the exact words. Do you not perceive? You know, how can you be around me this much and you don't get it either? So he, he explains, do you not perceive? That whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him because it does not enter his heart. It enters his stomach and it is eliminated. 
thus purifying all foods. That's a parenthetical note that if you've got a red-letter Bible, shouldn't really be read because that's obviously an, the copyist explaining the consequence of his words in a religion that had so many food laws. Jesus said, verse 20, what comes out of a man, that's what defiles a man. And then he goes, then he goes into this uh, explanation. From within, from out of the heart, from out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts. The Greek word is dialogismoi, uh, dialogue, malice of the mind, an inner dialogue, a reasoning, a deliberation, turning our thoughts over about evil things. This inner dialogue of the mind, he said, that's what produces adultery. Adultery doesn't come to you from the outside. It comes from the inside. Fornication. This, uh, fornication is not just sex um, among the unmarried. Fornication is any perversion of sex. It's sex without a bond. Sex without a covenant. Sex for the sensations alone. He says fornication and all the perversions that go with it comes from inside. It comes from this evil dialogue. Murder comes from this evil dialogue. You just chew over your hatred. Thefts, you know, embezzling money, stealing uh, from other people. You plan it. Covetousness, wickedness, deceit, intentionally crafting a great lie. You know, Lewdness, this crude uh, dirtiness that comes on some people's minds. And every thought uh, you know, has some sexual innuendo to it. The evil eye, where you want others to fail. Blasphemy, uh, speaking hard words against God. This anger, this hatred against God. Pride, foolishness, Jesus says. All of these things, all these evil things come from within and defile a man. So yes, there is defilement. Yes, there is evil. There is horrible evil in the world but the source of this evil comes from inside and all of it you know he names uh, 12 things here all of them flow from evil dialogue this thinking that goes on in your mind when you talk to yourself and you allow yourself to reason out you know in a perverse way that justifies what you're about to do there is sin in the world my brothers and sisters we thank God we're moving toward the part of this book that will tell us about the sacrifice of Jesus where the grace of God came to us and removed our sin as a gift. You know, we're going to continue to struggle on this side of death with the temptation to sin where you have now a divided heart. We have the Holy Spirit in us for the first time. We have the righteousness of God, the character of Jesus inside of us pulling us toward the kind of life that God wants for us. But as the rest of the New Testament will teach us, we have to get the mind of, we've got the mind of Christ. We've got to let it reprogram us and let faith drive our thinking. Let the word of God be the foundation of our behavior. You know, let our minds be renewed because that's where all the behavior is going to come from. So don't get all hung up on uh, external rules and you know, did you pray long enough? Did you read your Bible enough? Did you even these things you know, go to church enough? 
These are all external things. That's not where righteousness comes from, and that's not where evil comes from. We've got to go digging deep, deep, deep within and get to the root of these things. May God bless you as you spend your time alone with him and allow him to speak in your life and root out the things that are truly evil and will keep us away from him, away from, from being able to please him. And may God also open abundant grace as you spend time with him and help you to feel forgiven and righteous and holy in his sight and give praise to his son who brought all of this to us through his death on the cross. That's all for now. Uh, If you need to contact me directly, I'll give you my personal email, chuck at quinley.com. Please also check out the emergenetwork.org website where we've got lots of helpful things that will be a benefit to you as you grow in the Lord. God bless you. A singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org.